The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. Both Joshua Houts and Merrick are off at the beach. So we are stuck. We are stuck on the land while they're out having fun. So please go tweet at them. But today we have a very, very fun episode. We are going to diagnose the 53-man roster. We thought this would be a good opportunity being a week into training camp to really get an idea of where the Miami Dolphins are. And no better guest to help me out with that is reoccurring guest Cat at Brian Cat NFL. Cat, uh, how's it going today, my friend? I'm good. Uh, getting closer to the regular season of a lot of uh, good and and bad news coming out of training camp. Uh the bad news is obvious, the one piece of bad news, but the rest, it looks like it's going to be a, a talented Dolphins team this year. Everyone's soured by the Jalen Ramsey news, especially just the attitude he brought to the game before we even start talking about his potential. But um, as you scroll through Twitter, I mean, this is kind of the funnest time of year to be part of Twitter because you're getting a lot of context and um, uh, takes about training camp that we wouldn't see, you know, in, in the stories or different things like that. Um, so what have you really broken your highlighter out for? Are there any specific moments or players who have stepped up recently that really kind of popped your eye you didn't necessarily expect? You know, it's it, as far as players who have uh, just really stepped up throughout uh, throughout camp here. I mean, the, the one that keeps getting talked about is uh, 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 Mitchell Agudier. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correct, from undrafted free agent from Miami. And he's somebody that seems to be getting a sack every single practice based on the reports and the videos that I've seen. I mean, he seems like a big surprise here so far this year. And it's, uh, you know, after Jalen Ramsey went down, it, it's good to see Cam Smith getting out there and having days filled with uh, with PBUs and you know, some ups, some downs, according to all reports here. But, you know, this is a talented 21-year-old kid who, you know, if – I mean, it'd be stupid to say Jalen Ramsey, him going down is a good thing. But, you know, if if the Dolphins can get Cam Smith in that number two cornerback role opposite Xavier Howard and Cater Coe, who is as your slot guy, 
And then in the middle of the season or mid to late in the season, you get Jalen Ramsey back as kind of that shot in the arm as December approaches. I mean, you, you could have the best of both worlds. Yeah, you don't want to call it the ultimate spin zone here, but but as Dolphin fans, you can kind of talk yourself into the idea of, you know, Ramsey's missing an extended period of time. That gives us a, a good look at what Cam Smith can possibly do. It's not like he'll be out there for two weeks. Maybe he gets cooked twice, and all of a sudden for the rest of the year, we're stuck thinking of this is the type of player he's going to be. We can actually take some time and really think about the player uh, he is going to try and be. Uh, it's been kind of a refreshing uh preseason to say the least we're not hearing a lot of underthrow. why is the Miami Dolphins meet uh social media team releasing these type of throw different things like that uh before we get down to like the the real nitty-gritty though of the depth chart I just would like to get your thoughts is there someone maybe in the receiving core obviously you know Tyree Kill Jalen Waddle that's such a massive part of your offense you can kind of devalue these other guys at receiver but has anyone stood out in, in that scenario you know you've got the Really, the two undrafted free agents, uh, Daywood Davis and Chris Coleman, who have no chance to make the roster. And then uh, the rest, you've got smaller numbers this year. Usually, you know, they're 11, 12, 13 receivers in camp, you know, with partially with the injuries. Um, uh, or excuse me, uh, partially because the, a lot of these guys are veterans. You don't see as many bodies. So. You know, it, it's good to see that, uh, you know, according to Barry Jackson, Cedric Wilson's had a better offseason. He started to make more plays toward the end of the year. Braxton Berrios, you know, it, it looks like he's going to be the Dolphins' third receiver and a major addition. You know, when you take a look at last year, Jake, the Mike Kosicki and Trent Sherfield combining for 1,200 yards at the receiver spot between the two of them, there's a lot of... Uh, snaps to be divvied up between Braxton Barrios, Cedric Wilson, and we'll see who earns the roster spot for the fifth and sixth spots between presumably Chosen Anderson, Eric Ezukama, and, and River Craker after maybe Braylon Sanders. I love that point you just made because I think this is the first year we really see it. The Dolphins have been kind of a big spender the last couple of years. But when you start to go through this death chart, especially when you consider the 90-man roster, it seems like there there's they squeezed out the middle class, right? You pay some of these guys, uh, you know, the Bradley Chubbs, the Tyree Kill, Jalen Ramsey. All of a sudden, you can't really have that middle ground. John Jenkins is the first one that sticks out to me. Uh, but but what have you? What has been your perspective when you see, you know, you have, uh, let's just say for the for sake of comparison, a couple 90s in Madden, but then all of a sudden you have those 90s running around with uh, 67, 68s, let's just say for this comparison. Do you see that as a feasible option? Do you see it as, you know, you have Vic Fangio, these star players, a uh, rising tide that lifts all boats? Is that what the Dolphins are kind of hoping for here? Yeah, it's a looking at the 53-man roster and the 90-man roster just from a high level, it's so much different than previous years. I mean, when you take a look at just the starting 24, I mean, you've got just a starting 24, you've got somewhere between 13 and 15 players. You can make a solid case or top 10 to 15 players at their position. I mean, mm-hmm. if, Tua at quarterback, uh, Terry Kill and Jalen Waddle are top 15 receivers. Uh, Teron Armstead, top five or 10 tackle. Connor Williams, Robert Hunt. I mean, there's six guys on offense alone and seven, if you include Alec Ingold, who's one of the best fullbacks in in the league. And then on the defensive side of the ball at edge, you've got Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb at D D tackle, Christian Wilkins, maybe even throw Zach Sealer in there long uh, Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, Javon Holland. I mean, those Mm -hmm. are just going through the roster. It's, 
I've been a Dolphins fan for uh, 25 to 30 years now here. I, I can't recall a time where I could pick 14 or 15 players on this roster that would rank, as you say, in Madden as highly as they do. It's, it's such a weird, weird feeling because you're hoping to keep taking these step forward and just one to kind of give out on you and just go barreling into the, the pit of despair. But so far, the Dolphins do look like they're building that roster. They're focused on the positions of need, the, the star positions, as you call it, quarterback, tackle, edge rusher, and cornerback. But, Cap, let's just dive into it. Let's start with the offensive side of the football quarterback what we're going to do here basically before i even say the quarterbacks cat you're going to share with me the guys you have on your 53 man roster heading into the season and then i will kind of poke at it from there just so we're not just you know uh playing pickleball and just tapping names back and forth trying to figure out what's happening sure and this is probably the easiest one you've got two uh you got mike white and you've got skylar thompson um mm-hmm. you know i asked the question before the training camp started here to Twitter, you know, is Skylar Thompson a lock to make the roster? Not is he going to make the roster, is he a lock? And about 75% said yes, 25% said no, he's not a lock, but he's probably going to make the team. And, you know, now that Thompson has had, presumably, according to reports, a really good camp where, you know, he's looked better than Mike White most days, you've got to think he's that third guy, especially when you consider he started a playoff game for the Dolphins last year and this regime thought enough of him to draft him. So I've got three guys there. As many of you heard, they have adjusted some rules here, and we did a little research pre-show here where you only can have – if you have two quarterbacks active on game day, you can activate a third. Now, what that means here isn't necessarily that you can now have a 54-man roster with a spot designated for that third quarterback. What it means is you need to have all three on the active 53-man roster, but instead of just 46 guys being active on game day, that number jumps up to 47 just for that quarterback spot. You can even say it goes up to 49 because I think you can activate two practice squad guys as well. Uh, We'll get into that. We'll actually refresh these details as we get closer to the season. Um, But I completely agree with you. When you look at back to last year, they also kept three quarterbacks. Um, Our opinion of Teddy Bridgewater has definitely changed a lot in a year, but I don't think Skylar Thompson has done anything in the 12 months uh, to make us say, you know, maybe that uh, roster spot can be used in uh, a different light at a different situation at a different opportunity. Uh, I think there is an actual battle here for the QB2. I'd love to get your thoughts. And again, if you're a quarterback too, the the conversation is clear. You're not a starting quarterback, right? All these guys have their faults. But I'm in a camp where I genuinely think that Skylar Thompson getting that start against the Jets, getting the start in the playoffs, I understand he didn't play well. But that experience, being in those situations, what that does to your nerves, what calming your nerves does to your mentality and what your mentality does to your performance. I just think Skylar Thompson has a shot here to maybe push Mike White and be that quarterback too. It's quite possible. It's far more likely he would be the quarterback to now be the quarterback to than be cut, which mm-hmm. that was, I, if you had asked me before the year, I'd say he's more likely to be cut than to beat out Mike White. So He's going to make the roster, but yeah, you're right, uh, Jake. He, he got a lot of good experience. And I thought this in August, uh, one of two things would happen with Skylar Thompson. Either he is going to um, show that he has just completely maxed himself out and we need to find another developmental guy, or he's going to come in and look like an improved player. And it seems like so far the latter is the case. Moving ahead to running backs, Cat. Last year, the Dolphins kept four on the roster. Selvan Ahmed, Chase Edmonds, Miles Gaskin, Raheem Mostert. Obviously, three of those guys ended on the roster that they traded for Jeff Wilson midseason. Uh, what are you looking at at this position? Does it include Delvin Cook? 
You know, I don't have Dalvin Cook on there. Me neither. It could very well be a Dolphin, but it's such a weird situation, too, because you'd think that either the Dolphins would be very interested or very not interested mm-hmm. in Cook. Um, if you're, if he's asking for, I don't know, $8 million and you're willing to offer four, wouldn't you just cut Keon Crossan and get $3 million? And then go sign him like yes, that. Absolutely. That doesn't make sense. I mean, when you combine the ESPN and PFF, you combine their, their positional rankings, which are based on metrics and, you know, GM coaches, everything blended together there. Delvin Cook is eighth on that list. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's a substantial upgrade. You think for a few million dollars, despite the running back position not being. Anyway, that's that's a whole different story. I've got um, three running backs and a fullback making it. And it was tough. Ooh. to cut both Miles Gaskin and um, Savan Ahmed. Um, Ahmed has has busted some big runs here in, in training camp, and consensusly the, the opinion is that Ahmed's going to be that fourth running back, and he very well could be. But I think the Dolphins are going to try to keep both Ahmed and or Gaskin on the roster uh, and then situationally call them up uh, from the practice squad on game day to try to add a little bit new wrinkle to the offense. I completely agree with that. I think Gaskin is kind of a lock for that. Um, Selvan Ahmed, I'm curious, do you think he's someone that could be perched off a practice squad? I think that's my only fear there, and I kind of took the lazy route of they had four last year. Let's go with four this year. Um, I I just think his experience with McDaniel, even before last season, is uh, something that's really playing in his favor here. So I'll put him on the list, but do you think he's someone? I mean, running backs are a dime a dozen. I mean, you can have different six-round picks on draft guys come in and give you what you need for a couple of games. Is he someone that could be kind of, uh, you know, pulled away pretty quickly? You know, I think he's good enough to be the third running back on another team. Mm-hmm. But when I look around the league and look at depth charts, it seems like as far as second, third, fourth running backs in a lot of these teams, they're flush with running backs. Mm-hmm. You know, it only takes one to sign him. But, you know, I believe Savan Ahmed was, was he on the practice squad? I know he's on the active. Was he on the active roster all year? I was trying to remember. Last um, year, yeah, he was actually okay. made the original 53-man roster. It was a really weird situation with just kind of Mostert and Edmonds leading the way with, with Gaskins and Ahmed as like the reserves, the, the guys who were just already there. Yeah, thank you. And then, so Savan Ahmed, uh, last year, I, I know that he had just about what's 20 carries and a little over 100 snaps for the Dolphins uh, on game day uh, throughout all of last year. Miles Gaskin had fewer than that. He had under mm-hmm. 100 snaps for the year, too. So, yeah, I could see another team poaching Ahmed, um, which is why he may stick as the fourth running back. But, uh, you know, I, I think when you look at how, like you said, dime a dozen running backs are, are around the league, they'd be more – wanting to keep another offensive lineman, defensive lineman, or defensive back, as opposed to a fourth running back. I just want to give Miles Gaskin one quick shout out here. He's kind of like the gorilla glue for this uh, running back room. No matter who gets hurt, whatever they need him to do, he can pass pass block okay. He can receive okay. He can run the ball okay, which is kind of, obviously you want to star, but just for the sake of someone you know is going to go out there and not make issues, when you consider the way this roster is built, you just need guys that are on the bottom of the depth chart who aren't going to kill you. Miles Gaston can kind of be that guy when you absolutely need it. Obviously, I wouldn't trust him starting, but he is that type of player. You know, I call him Aunt Sharon at Thanksgiving because I don't know why the hell you're here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He's very sound. He sticks to himself, does his job. He brings a nice casserole. 
he doesn't have too many drinks and gets riled up and fights all the uncles. So, yeah, no, I, I get, get that. I get that. You know, but I tell you, I am surprised that because the best offer Miles Gaskin could get was one year, $975,000, no money guaranteed, not $1 guaranteed. You know, you would think somebody first, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Gaskin fan, if you can't tell, but you know, somebody who had, you know, in 2020 and 2021 had almost 2000 total yards in those two years, mm-hmm. you know, you can't fetch a million dollars or you can't get a hundred thousand dollar guaranteed contract. That, that was a little bit surprising because yeah, he, you're right. He can do a lot of different things. He's a good, he has, he's shown the ability to be a good receiver, um, you know, he's showed the ability to make those surprise plays, you know, that 55 yard touchdown catch from Fitzpatrick a couple of years ago on Sunday night, which is one of the plays of the year. I mean, he, he shows the ability to do that from time to time. And then a lot of other times it's just not there. I think the uh, talent, in the running back room has been significantly elevated. And I think also Savan Ahmed has passed him, um, in the eyes of a lot of, of, of Dolphins coaches. He Ahmed just fits the scheme so much better. That wide zone, he just, he just fits it, the speed, um, his vision. It just fits so well. Um, fullback, we don't have to talk much about this. Um, if this was a game of chess, Alec Ingold is really that queen on the chessboard, just someone who can do everything. They're going to move in all different tri- types of directions. And when you're playing in that 21 personnel, you just slide him in. You can run out of the weak, run out of the eye formation, and all of a sudden you're facing these weak boxes because of Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and you can just pound the rock. And that, as a result, we see Jeff Wilson almost average five yards a carry. Raheem Mostert almost average five card yards a carry. So that's why uh, you won't see this on a lot of teams, the fullback being this important. But, it, you know, it's pretty straightforward with the Miami Dolphins and Mike McDaniel that he kind of helps thing, uh, things move pretty smoothly. Yeah, other than Kyle Juszczyk for the 49ers, I don't see a better fullback in the NFL right now. A lot of teams don't use fullbacks. Um mm-hmm. And I, one thing I want to see the Dolphins do more on offense. Yeah, I, I obviously big plays are the name of the game with Hill and Waddle, but I'd like to, for them to take a little bit more of the underneath stuff this year. And Alec Ingold, Durham Smythe, Braxton Berrios, some of these underneath options have to be part of that. It can't just be bombs away or slant play on every every play like we saw too often last year. That's a great way to lead into tight end. And you talk about going underneath. Mike Gesicki had over 50 targets in this offense. He was not an underneath receiver. You know, if he's catching a ball underneath, you'd hope that he could run away from a linebacker or you hope he's strong enough to kind of stiff arm a safety, stiff arm a cornerback. He just was not that guy. He did not have that yak, uh, that uh, tackle breaking ability. That's where the Miami Dolphins felt really awkward because he did have some strengths. They used him in the back of the end zone. Last year, Cat, the Dolphins had five tight ends, Seathan Carter, Hunter Long, Mike Kosicki, Durham Smythe, and Tanner Connor. Seathan Carter is that perfect example of those mid-level depth pieces that, hey, maybe he's a blocking tight end, maybe he's on special teams, a leader in the locker room. The Dolphins aren't going to have those guys this year. So for me, I thought that the Dolphins might settle at three tight ends after having five last year. I've got three as well, and I was tempted from going – from five last year to two this year. The mm-hmm. reason being, uh, you know, I think the team envisions uh, Eric Azakama as somebody who, you know, wouldn't move to tight end, but kind of assumes that Trent Sherfield big slot type of role or Mike Gesicki big slot type of role. And, you know, you look at the third tight end that I have, a six-round rookie Elijah Higgins. Uh, he is somebody who at, at 
Stanford was a wide receiver is converting to tight end in the NFL, but it's kind of that big slot as well. So it's not going to be a sexy position for the Dolphins. It's going to be an assignment specific position, but I've got uh, Durham Smythe, obviously Eric Saubert making it as the second tight end. Uh, I I think he beats out Tyler Croft for that role. And then you've got Elijah Higgins and Tanner Connor really vying for that developmental third tight end role. You could see both of them. You could see neither of them making the team, but uh, Tanner Connor has been nicked up as well. So it wouldn't surprise me to see the Dolphins keep Higgins as their third tight end um, and have Tanner Connor maybe go on, uh, go on the reserve list. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. The tough decision here is if there's an injury at tight end and you want to have two on the field, do you really trust Elijah Higgins to be that guy as a sixth round rookie? He's had kind of a slow start in camp. He has made a couple plays, but he is someone also who's transitioning from receiver. Not trying to say this is a simple position, but tight end, you know, you need to know so many different blocking schemes, the route tree, different things like that. I do wonder if the Tyler Cross signing was something that the Dolphins did on purpose. You know, he was in San Francisco. I believe he was in New York when they were running a similar offense. I wonder if that experience is enough where you can kind of say, all right, um, Elijah Higgins, we can hide you on the practice squad. The Tanner Connor thing is where it gets really interesting, but I just don't know if he's going to be ready for week one. And and to me, that's where Tyler Croft might be able to kind of sneak his way in there just based on the experience and just having a certain level of comfort with the offense. Yeah, that's quite possible. And, you know, my feeling is that if you keep Smythe and you keep Saubert on the team, Tyler Croft is kind of that same type of player, yeah. that, that inline tight end. And if, let, let's say in your scenario, Eric Saubert goes down, I would then see the Dolphins not playing a lot of 12 personnel. Mm-hmm. And if they did, um, you know, I wouldn't see him playing a lot of it, but I would also see him playing more. Uh, more 21 personnel with a running back and Alec Ingold a lot more on the field. Cause I mean, Ingold at fullback compared to a tight end being on the field, not a huge difference. If you're going through the numbers of like having 20 guys on your offensive roster, whatever it may be, I, I, yeah, I consider fullback a tight end just because they're going to do a lot of the same things, just a little bit in different ways. Moving ahead to wide receiver cat last year, we had five on the field original 53-man roster, Eric Azucama, Tyree Kill, Trent Sherfield, Jalen Waddell, Cedric Wilson Jr. If I was to put the over-under on guys who are returning this year and will be on that same 53-man roster, if I put it at three and a half, where are you going? So three and a half as far as uh, as how many wide receivers are on the roster, I, I may have missed that. Sorry, sorry about that. No, I, I worded it weird too. Uh, last year, the Dolphins had five guys on that original 53-man roster. How many of those guys are still on the roster this year come week one? Oh, uh, gotcha. Three and a half. Um, so I would say I'm going to say four. So I'm going to take the over on that. And mm-hmm. the interesting battle here is, I mean, you got several of them. You've got three locks. You've got Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and Braxton Berrios. And Barrios may not even be the third receiver, probably will be, but he's on the roster. The Dolphins gave him three and a half million guaranteed. That's you've paid him all his money. It's all guaranteed whether he's on the team or not. So from there, 
Cedric Wilson, whether he's on the team or not, you're paying him $6 million. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay him seven if he's on the team, but I, I don't think that's enough to cut him. Um, Chosen Anderson is the interesting guy here because he looked really good in minicamp and doesn't seem to have taken that momentum so far to training camp. And he's the easiest guy to cut. He's He only had um, about $152,000 in guaranteed money. So you've got Barrios who's paid, who obviously is a lock. Cedric Wilson, maybe he gets traded at some point, but I don't see another team giving up a draft pick and $8 million for him. So I think he's on the team again because you'd, otherwise you'd cut him and still pay him. Chosen Anderson still has a chance to be that fifth or sixth guy, but he doesn't play special teams and you're not going to, you're not going to lose anything if you cut him. So Mm -hmm. right now I see him on the outside looking in. So overall five receivers, Hill, Waddle, Berrios, Wilson, and then Eric Ezukama barely stays on um, as that developmental fifth guy. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Two names that I think are going to be in the mix. And it's 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 so hard to have these conversations because it, it needs to be all in the context of Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill are half your offense, right? So if you want to say that the Dolphins have seven guys that are talented enough to play at wide receiver and talented enough to make a 53, that could be very true. But I have such a hard time kind of boiling it down. Uh, Braxton Berrios was kind of on radar as one of those wild card. Maybe he gets um, leapfrogged by a couple of guys, but you, you hit the nail on the head where you got to follow the money. The money tells you so much about the guys who are going to be on this roster. So I think that three man race of, of Robbie chosen river Craycraft, and Braylon Sanders. Sanders is a guy the dolphins liked a lot who I think they might try to uh, keep in line, have him maybe hope he can be that fifth or sixth wide receiver. But I also think he's someone that can be on the practice squad. 
River Craycraft is a name that I think we need to watch a lot through the preseason because I think uh, McDaniel is comfortable using him at a lot of different places. He's limited in terms of a talent level, but just knowing the offense gives him such, such, such an advantage. I think that um, I think the coaching staff is going to value him a lot more than maybe we might uh, just watching on the sidelines. Yeah, you're right. And Tua likes Craycraft as well, and they've got a good rhythm going and such very different players when you look after the top four guys, Hill, Waddle, Berrios, and Wilson, because Ezekama has all-world talent. He needs to put it all together. He has been making some plays, so I don't want to give off the impression that that he's been a bum in, in training camp so far. He has made plays and more plays than Chosen Anderson, which to mm-hmm. me gives him a leg up. Um, yeah, and then you've got Braylon Sanders, who you know was surprisingly not drafted last year, and the Dolphins thought enough of him to elevate him in the game at Buffalo where the Dolphins lost by three. And he got one of the first targets of the game. Granted it was, and it was a big play and then he fumbled it, but you know, it's, I think it was against Buffalo. Um, Yeah, no, you're right. They targeted him. I mean, you you get on the field in a big game in the first quarter and, and you make, you know, you you run a deep route and two would trust you enough to come down with that. Um, Yeah. I mean, you think pretty highly of the guy. So yeah, it could be really any of those guys. And Ezukama is, is, he and Channing Tindall will be interesting because, you know, you've got a lot of guys nipping at their heels and on a team where the Dolphins are, you know, they, they've got to win here. They've got their two two year window here. If you don't feel like Ezukama is going to be a, a week one performer, but River Craycraft is, I mean, and it comes down to that. Yeah. Maybe River Craycraft ends up making the team. I love the point you made about Braylon Sanders there because when you're on the field with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, there are going to be opportunities. And go back to that same Buffalo game, I can't think of his name, but there was a number two tight end on the Buffalo Bills who was wide alone in the end zone. And I just remember watching the game and seeing the graphic come off at the bottom. First touchdown of the season for this guy. And all I'm thinking is – Norris, yeah. All I'm thinking is Braylon Sanders, that, that was Miami's counterpunch to that. It just kind of goes to show that no matter who your elite guys are, you need those other guys to step up and you need guys that you can be comfortable and confident in. And, and the Dolphins were hoping Braylon Sanders could be that. And I, and I think they're going to give him another shot this year. Offensive line is where things start to get really interesting. Cat Last year, they kept eight. Running through it once, I had a hard time keeping less than nine. I have nine exactly. And to me, again, follow the money. Um, seven of them are locks, Armstead, Eichenberg, Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, and Austin Jackson, the starting lineup there, those five are locks. Uh, Isaiah Wynn has to be a lock too. He just activated off PUP, can play left tackle, left guard, right tackle. And most importantly, they guaranteed him almost $2 million. So once you get past, once you get past a million, it's, it's unlikely that player gets cut. If once you get to 2 million, it's, it's, it's pretty rare. Um, so you've got him as a six guy, Dan Feeney, one year, three and a half million, almost fully guaranteed. He's going to be the backup center or guard. Um, Robert Jones is an interesting one about or not he's a spot on this team because, you know, talking about somebody who last year for under a million dollars played 520 snaps at, at guard. And I've always argued, I, I felt that when Robert Jones entered the lineup over Liam, Liam Eikenberg, I thought the Dolphins improved at that spot, not monumentally, but I thought Jones has always been a better player here going on two years now, not by much, but by a little. Um, so I have him as the eighth guy. And then it sets up an interesting competition um, for that ninth spot where you've got basically three guys cut from the same cloth. You've got three veterans, um, Kendall Lamb, 
Jerron Christian and Cedric Agboye. And all of these guys signed got less than a million dollars guaranteed. They're veterans. They've been around the block. I mean, Lamb is over 30. Bowie's over 30. Jerron Christian's in his late 20s. But all have combined have played, have been in a lot of training camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, all indications are that that Kendall Lamb is well ahead in that spot for that for that swing tackle. Um, he is right now the backup right tackle, even got reps with the first team. And it was also backing up uh, Teron Armstead when Isaiah Wynn was out. So when you take all that into account, it sounds like somebody who's going to make the team as that ninth guy. And then Ryan Hayes is kind of in a class of his own. He's a seventh round pick. If, if a team drafts you and you show well in camp, they'll find, they'll probably find a spot for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe they even keep 10, but I've got Ryan Hayes being cut uh, and possibly getting back on the Dolphins practice squad. I had Oblahi earning that final spot. That was just kind of based on, on, on just vibes. I don't really have anything uh, definitive to back that up. There's a clip from the Jets game week 17 that I love. Um, it, it's Dan Feeney versus Christian Wilkins, and I can't wait to post it just with the caption, um, the only five seconds you need to resign both Connor Williams and Christian Wilkins. Um, so I wonder what the, the idea is with Liam Eichenberg kind of taking snaps there at center because Feeney – I think he's a perfectly fine backup, but he's a perfectly fine backup. I do wonder if they kind of try to find different ways to solidify the depth. Uh, One other name that I think is worth mentioning, he started with the Dolphins in the playoff game last year, Lester Cotton. He he kind of fits that same Robert Jones mold where um, we kind of spent a decade wondering why the Dolphins, you know, we didn't want a great offensive line. We didn't want a good offensive line. We just wanted an offensive line that didn't flat out suck. And the Dolphins could not really find that. But when you look at guys, Robert Jones, uh, Lester Cotton, it kind of makes you sigh a little bit in relief that, hey, the Dolphins can identify these guys as undrafted free agents who simply don't suck, which is a nice little bonus. Yes, and that's the key that the Dolphins haven't mastered on the offensive line because they've had, and it's not like they haven't had good players on the line, Mm -hmm. but they've always, almost always have had one glaring weakness or two glaring weakness. I mean, you look at just over the last decade, you know, Jonathan Martin, Tyson Claybo, Dallas Thomas. Uh, uh, even now you can make the case for Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg. We hope they take, take a step forward this year, but if not, they're going to have some competition. I mean, um, when you look at that and then say, why didn't you keep guys like Jake Brendel, Evan Brown, um, mm-hmm. Lester Cotton would be a good example. Uh, Ted Karras, just players who were inexpensive, mm-hmm. but as the game went on, you'd say, okay, When's the last time a player like this ruined a drive? Never. Uh, Brandon Shell, I put in that same category. Mm-hmm. You know, I was hoping the, he went to the Bills, but I didn't think Brandon Shell was anything special. But you take him off the street, and now he's immediately an upgrade over Austin Jackson. I, I think that's worth bringing back for for you know two or three million. I don't think we have to spend virtually any time on this really, but special teams real quick, Jake Bailey, Jason Sanders, Blake Ferguson, are there anything else we need to bring up there? I think Braxton Barrios is 3.5 mil guarantee. It just screens the special teams tag more than the wide receiver tag to be. And then you got these three guys. Yeah. So that we'll stay there with those three. Um, yes. I've, I've got those three as well. Jake Bailey. I was not a fan of that signing. Um, I, I didn't think he punted well last year, but Dolphins guaranteed him his entire contract for a million dollars. But Michael Turk, I am hoping punts so well 
here in the preseason that he makes that decision difficult because this is this is a guy that I thought was the consensus top punter in, in the draft and he went undrafted. I mean, he's the the nephew of former Dolphins punter Matt Turk. And you look back at, at Arizona State, this just like his dad, uh, or she's just like his uncle. I mean, just a booming lag. He mm-hmm. just needs to be able to rein it in. And I'd, I'd rather have a, a, a massive lag from a punter and have to rein it in than, than the other way around. Kind of has that Thomas Morstead vibe, right? Where last year the Dolphins didn't have a punter that could boom it. Uh, Morstead was better at those, um, we'll say, coffin corners or at least getting it inside the 20. Um, but you would like a guy who can switch the field and really provide that just special teams, unique game changer that we, we don't really see a lot of. He should be the Dolphins punter. And I don't know why they let him walk out the door. He was fantastic last year. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Turning the page to the defensive side of the football Let's start with the defensive line here. Last year, the Miami Dolphins kept five players on the defensive line. Cat, I think they're going to keep five again. You know, yes, I've got him keeping five. And it's so funny. I was going to say it before, but you mentioned the name John Jenkins. And I've got, I know, same four that you have. Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis. Emmanuel Agba, you know, you can say Agba is an edger. You can say he's an outside linebacker. You can say he's a D end, whatever. He's versatile. We're going to say he's a defensive lineman. Um, John Jenkins is currently on the Raiders and he is in a competition with a lot of players there, most of which have been third and fourth round picks for the Raiders over the last two drafts. So I don't think he'll be given the benefit of the doubt. I think he'll be cut. And then if he is cut, when you look at how little backup talent the Dolphins have on their defensive line, it wouldn't surprise me for the Dolphins to sign him again, just to be a holdover backup for a year um, at, at defensive tackle. And another thing too, is back in 2018, John Jenkins was on the bears with Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator. So they're, they're familiar with each other. Uh, at least he didn't play a lot for him, but they're familiar with each other. So as a one-year depth band-aid, you could, very easily see John Jenkins coming back if the Raiders do in fact cut him. I don't want to play, hey, who's that guy? But there was a, a defensive end that that kind of inside defensive tackle. Uh, Shelby, I think his last name that was on Denver, who's still a free agent. He's been visiting teams. 
Shelby Harris, been, yeah. Shelby Harris, that's what it was. That was one name that I've been kind of following around because as we get farther into the offseason, you are going to see less and less big contracts. We know the Dolphins don't have a lot of money to spend. That was one name uh, that I thought could be a little interesting just for the familiarity spending so long in Denver. An in-house option for that fifth defensive lineman if the Dolphins don't make a uh, move. Brandon Peely, I, I just kind of like what he brings to the table, I think, as an undrafted free agent. Um, he has the strength. He's very raw. But I think if you need that guy just to be a fifth defensive lineman and you're just kind of crossing fingers and toes, he develops into something. He's someone I kind of thought could could make a little bit of noise given the opportunity. Um, I lied. I have six. And I do. Brandon Peely was the last yes. guy that I put on the team. So uh, we're, I'm on the same page with you there. And um, the interesting thing is they – thought enough of Brandon Peely to give him over a $100,000 undrafted free agent signing bonus. And why that matters is the last two Dolphins to get over a hundred thousand, probably the only two in Dolphins history to get over a hundred grand as an undrafted free agent um, were just two players, Cater Kohu and uh, Robert Jones. Mm-hmm. So you're both made the roster and would probably make the roster again. Brandon Peely at, at USC played five years there was never a star, but did his job. And if the Dolphins were willing to do that uh, and give him that money as an undrafted free agent, that means they were, he was very high on their board in the seventh round when they took um, uh, Ryan Hayes. He had a couple injuries to that derailed seasons. Um, I think there were other uh, injuries on that defensive line that kind of made things awkward at times, but yeah, I, I just kind of like it as that developmental piece looking at linebackers and, we're reaching a point in the NFL where I don't think linebacker is a fair term anymore uh, because what's an edge rusher? Is he a linebacker? Is he, is he a defensive lineman? I'm not really sure. Uh, but in terms of that linebacker, let's just use for the sake of this, keep it simple as a three, four defense. So we'll include those edge rushers. Last year, the Dolphins kept nine linebackers on the roster. How many are looking at this year, Cap? Yeah, I've got nine as well. Um See, uh, because, yeah, when we talk about the edge guys, so just run right down the list. Uh, you look at their base defense, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb at outside linebacker, David Long and uh, Jerome Baker at inside linebacker. Andrew Van Ginkle is going to get a lot of snaps. Duke Riley will make the team as a six guy. Um, Malik Reed, um, outside linebacker, is your seventh guy. Channing Tyndall is not a lock, but I do have him barely making it again, even if he doesn't show great improvement because he did play a lot on special teams last year. So for mm-hmm. nothing else, you're not talking about um, somebody who who is linebacker bust. And then uh, finally, I, as my second undrafted free agent, I, I do have right now Mitchell Agudier as well um, from Miami, somebody who continues to flash. And um, yeah, that, so I've I've got nine right now. He's more of like an inside linebacker, that thumper, like um, uh, a Landon Roberts type, right? Yeah, he can play inside and outside. Um, and he's really got made a lot of noise as a pass rusher here in camp. Um, Aubrey Miller is somebody, too, from Jackson State, who he could be challenging Channing Tindall. In fact, I think he's a better fit in this type of defense because he's a little bit more stout. Um, you know, coming out of Jackson State, he's 5'11", 229, didn't test very well. Uh, spent six years in college. He's a, he, he was playing for Mizzou in 2017. That's how long he was in college football. If he were a little younger, an inch or two taller, a little bit faster, a little bit heavier, without question, he would have been drafted at least on day three, but he ended up falling through the cracks. And he's somebody that 
could get on the field and take over that kind of Sam Equivon role. A name I've seen too. He's just been someone who's kind of stuck around a, a late round pick. Cameron Good was another name that I kind of thought could be on that bubble. Um, I had eight guys, but when you consider the idea of bringing in a drafted free agent, you consider the idea that David Long Jr.'s injury history, you're not completely sold on Channing Tindall on the defensive side of the football. I could definitely see them keeping nine there as well. Cornerback. Last year, the Dolphins entered the regular season with five cornerbacks. I don't necessarily know if that was by choice, uh, but this was another one I had a hard time really boiling it down to, and I settled on six cornerbacks here. Yeah, so I have six as well, and one thing is, is you know, I'm trying to read through the grapevine here um, with Nick Needham, where Nick Needham, first of all, I was really disappointed to see that the only thing he could fetch was a one-year contract for about $1.3 million. And, mm-hmm. you know, not all of that was guaranteed. 750000 of that was guaranteed. And he has not been able to get on the field yet. And it, it starts to make me think that he also could begin the, the season on PUP. Um, so if I were to predict that that's what I would predict, that he would start the season on PUP and be shelved for the first six weeks of the season. Um, so that's what I'm going to go with for the sake of this exercise. So Jalen Ramsey is also obviously going to be at least on PUP um, mm-hmm. for the first six weeks. Um, so you've got six cornerbacks, Xavier Howard, Cam Smith, Cater Kohu, Eli Apple as the fourth guy. And I do have Noah Igbenogany making it as the fifth cornerback and Justin Bethel as the sixth guy. Um, that that competition is going to be fierce, though, because you can also, you know, Keon Crossan, who's, who's had some injury problems, he's, again, somebody who should have been cut already because he could save over $3 million, but he is in competition. He's he's, he's hurt right now. Uh, Trill, Trill Williams, it seems like he's been uh, almost making the roster for like 10 years now. Uh, he's... You know, he's listed as a cornerback, but he's been getting some looks at safety, and that could really improve his chances to make the roster. But right now I've got Keon Cross and Trill Williams off the roster and Justin Bethel and Noah Igbenogany on the roster. Depending how long um, Keon Crossan's injury is for, I think that uh, is going to be a battle between Justin Bethel and, and Crossan. is kind of like that um, bottom of the roster older guy. I mean, I had to write down here. I had no idea Justin Bethel was 33 years old that he's been in the league this year long, um, but you need those type of guys, right? You need those guys just in the locker room. So I think it's going to come down to one of those. Uh, when you think about Keon Cross and it's so hard not to put money into the um, equation here. Do you think that contract has a lot of pull where if it's maybe he's 10% better than a Justin Bethel, but he costs two, three times as much. If you can have three Nick Needham's for the price of one Keon Crossan, is that enough to pull them off you know, the, the stage and go in a different direction? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to pick on the guy because he's not a terrible no. player. I mean, he's a, he's a rosterable guy and he's a good special teamer. I mean, he was in over his head last year, but at times, I mean, you look at the Bengals game, he's covering Jamar chase in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter. I mean, he shouldn't be in that position. Um, and you look at special team snaps, you know, he he was, I think, sixth on the Dolphins in special team snaps last year. Uh, Justin Bethel was first with 405. So, and Bethel is a Pro Bowl special teamer. And Crossan is a good special teamer. Uh, and I, I would argue, too, I thought Bethel played a little bit better at cornerback last year. Mm-hmm. He didn't have as many responsibilities as Crossan. And then you also factor in, too, 
Keon Crossan, uh, you know, was drafted by the Patriots, spent time with the Texans and Nick Cesario, came over here and played in Josh Boyer's defense. He's a New England style man cornerback. And so the defense last year that he didn't play very well in was very suited toward him. Mm-hmm. And he didn't play well. Now he's playing in a more zone defense. So kind of like Miles Gaskin, I don't understand what he's even doing here anymore. Especially it's just when when you're in a situation, and I think as fans, we we think about this more um, on a daily basis, but but when you can refine your salary cap and add some money in there, that, that's the first name that really jumps out. But but we'll see what happens there. Maybe the Dolphins will choose to keep both, and this will be their opportunity for those um, middle-class type guys just to kind of fill out the roster. The last position we have here is at safety, and spoiler alert, I did have Trill Williams making it as a safety. I was close, and I've got five safeties. Um, Javon Holland, Brandon Jones, and uh, Deshaun Elliott, Tamir Locks. Then, you know, I think Elijah Campbell makes it as that fourth safety. And, again, going back to, you know, the Dolphins need guys who can play special teams. And because at wide receiver, if they keep the five that I'm predicting, you're not having a lot of special teams play in those five guys. Uh, Elijah Campbell um, was second on the team behind Justin Bethel and special team snacks snaps for the dolphins last year. And every time he gets on the field as a nickelback or a safety, it seems like he, he plays better than you expect. So I, I see him making the roster as the fourth safety and my fifth guy, I think that competition spot, if they, if they keep a fifth safety, it's going to be fierce uh, between Veron McKinley undrafted free agent, Kedron Smith undrafted free agent, Ethan Bonner and Trill Williams. And I think only one guy, Max is going to get that spot. I'm actually going to give it, give it to Ethan Bonner. Um, he is a safety undrafted free agent out of Stanford, 6'1", 200 pounds almost, and ran uh, a four three six coming out of Stanford. And you're looking at, at, I mean, if you're looking for a developmental fast safety that can also get on the field early and play special teams, he's your guy. Um, May not have made quite enough plays yet during a roster spot, but that's what the preseason here is for. And you think about it too. I, I I don't know if you can really assign a value to this, but it does feel like at least Javon Holland has even said this, that the Vic Vangio defense does ask more from safeties. Uh, so when you consider someone like Trill Williams, who in his first season, he was on an Island at cornerback. His goal was basically, Hey, follow this guy around, try to keep up with him and bat a ball away. If that was his job and all of a sudden, not only is he switching positions, but the demand is so high for him to have all these different responsibilities, that's a tough challenge, especially coming off injury where you do wonder if that is so much harder said than done. And if this is a situation where maybe you can kind of hide a Trill Williams on the practice squad. I had Williams making it over Vron McKinley, but as we talk about this and you wonder who can maybe hide on that practice squad, I think it would be Williams just for the sake McKinley stepped in last year and it was another scenario of someone who he didn't look great. It's not someone you can put a ESPN top 10 on, but it's someone you can look at and say, well, uh, you know, strong safety wasn't a position of weakness because we had him there. Certainly. And yeah, when he got on the field last year, uh, he, he played very well and he played well in a defense that I didn't think was very well suited for him. I mean, mm-hmm. a, a safety that, you know, ran a four seven coming out of Oregon, which is, I mean, if, if Ron McKinley had ran a four five instead of a four seven, he probably would have been a third round pick. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes undrafted because what, what are you going to do with a four seven forty safety? Well, he, I'm in the toast. Yeah. He's, he's, he, 
has had really good communication with Javon Holland back there and, uh, you know, former teammates together at Oregon. And when you think about it and you think of the lack of speed and, and the instincts that McKinley has, this defense probably suits him a little bit better than last year. So he would have to be, if we're doing like a, a consensus guess on the 53 man roster, he would probably be your fourth or fifth safety, but you know, there, there's a lot of physical traits with Trill Williams and, and Keadron Smith and, and, and Ethan Bonner. And I think throughout the summer, um, when you're trying to stash guys in the back of your roster, I, I think one of those athletes is going to make it over him. One final thing I want to pick your brain on here. We, we understand what Jalen Ramsey was going to bring to the table. One of his biggest product pitches was the idea that he wasn't a cornerback. He was a defensive back, someone who could manipulate the offense in so many different ways with his ability to, you know, cover the boundary, the slot, line up inside in the box. As the Dolphins look to replace that, you're not replacing Jalen Ramsey. That's not going to be something they do. But I'd love to get your thoughts. Um, because when Jalen Ramsey said defensive back, I got thinking, you know, what are, what is a defensive back? Well, it could either be a cornerback or it can be a safety. So I'd love to get your thoughts on maybe instead of the Dolphins doing things a little bit differently, considering Ramsey's out, how do you feel Javon Holland would fit into that role as that uh Everyone loves to say joker piece in that Vangio defense because I kind of think that's where the Dolphins are going to go, especially early in the season as they try to uh, mask the uh, loss of Rams. I think you're exactly right. And you could see a lot more three safety looks mm-hmm. than we anticipated when you look at all the talent on the Dolphins front seven where Deshaun Elliott could play a lot more uh, mm-hmm. as that safety back there with Brandon Jones. And then Javon Holland slips down in the slot because his last year at Oregon, I mean, he was a slot player. He was not, he was not a deep safety. He's shown the ability to do all of that, but you know, somebody in his final year at Oregon, he didn't play the in 2020 because he, he he sat out with coat with the, with in the COVID year, but in 2019, he had six interceptions, led his conference and he was a slot guy. So you could absolutely see that. And then also, I wonder if the Eli Apple signing was a little bit telling for Cater Coe, who is going to get a lot more of those looks where, oh, I like that. you know, because I, it may be your, if there's a commitment to that. And I think, you know, a great thing is Coe who can play both. He can play slot. He can play on the outside. He's got the size and the physicality for both, which is good. But it, will this throughout the summer turn into an Eli Apple versus Cam Smith competition to be that number two cornerback? And Cater Co, who settles into that nickelback role, that's that's going to be interesting to see. And then Jalen Ramsey too, long term. You know, for me, when Xavier Howard, who just turned thirty, and he he's, he's, looks like he is in fantastic shape, great. Hope it stays that way. Um, but I don't care. I don't know if it's this year, next year, the year after. When he's done as a boundary cornerback, he's done. He's not moving into slot. He's not moving to safety. He's done. He's out of the league. Jalen Ramsey's not the same. He can play on the outside, and when he gets a little too old for that, he's got the length, the awareness, and the physicality to play inside in the slot at a very, very high level for several years or possibly move back to safety too. So, sorry, one final question here. Um, so, so your hand is really over the panic button when you talk about someone like Nick Needham. You, you genuinely think there might be like a, a red flag there, and when you – would you read into it with this context you keep hearing from um, Nick Needham putting on social media, like he's coming, he's ready to be back and, and you don't see that progress on the field. It, it does kind of get your gears thinking a little bit of, of what's happening that we're not reading. 
you know, I thought Nick Needham was a turning into one of the best nickelbacks, mm-hmm. slot cornerbacks in football when, when he tore his Achilles. It, it was a shame. And he he would have made money um, this year. Not a lot, he, but uh, one of the best nickelbacks in the league. He, he would have made four or five million a year. And it's unfortunate that now he's coming back from this injury and 32 out of 32 teams agreed. He wasn't worth more than 1.3 million on a one-year contract. That that's a shame. So I'm rooting for the guy and I could very easily see him coming back and being a really good number three cornerback again. But, you know, when 32 out of 32 teams agree that they don't have, don't have a lot of faith in him coming back. He comes back to the dolphins on a one-year deal and now here, here we are, you know, over a week into training camp, and it doesn't look like he's going to get on the field. Um, I'm not going to say soon. I mean, he could be back tomorrow, but mm-hmm. it, my guess is that that it's it's going to be a slow August in trying to bring him back on the field. And if that bleeds over into September, that's when you start seeing guys get on the PUP list. The moment, though, I think that's kind of where we can agree. The moment he gets on the field, though, um, we can admit that, hey, maybe maybe we should relook at this, that, hey, maybe he can prove us wrong. But, yes. but the actions are just so important uh, more than the world, words here that I, I do agree that until we see it, that maybe we should start to wonder, at least have that in the back of our heads, that there might be something going on there um, a little bit longer term than we all expected. At, at Brian Cat NFL, excuse me, Kat, it's been so much fun to have you here. Thank you so much for filling in for Josh. I, I know he will greatly appreciate you letting him sit on the beach for an extra day here. Any final thoughts about this Dolphins team, about this roster, anything you're really looking for as we're just crazy to say a week away from the Dolphins taking the field, be it a preseason game, but to play against the Atlanta Falcons, we're going to learn a lot in that game. Yeah, we are. It's uh, you know three preseason games. So the first one's uh, dress rehearsal back end guys and or no excuse me the first one is just get out there it's more for the back end guys it's going to be really relevant to this conversation as far mm-hmm. as the you know the Aubrey Millers and you know the Ethan Bonners and those types of guys then the second game's your dress rehearsal and then the third it's like let's try not to get anyone injured um and see who makes the team so yeah I'm really looking forward to that and really enjoyed it here I, I hope uh hope Josh and um and Merrick have a great time there on the beach. Yeah. I'm kind of hopping around filling in when uh, need be uh, here. Well, I, I figure out what I'm going to do here as far as any podcasting in the future. So uh, yeah, have me on anytime. We'd love that. Again, if you'd like to follow him on Twitter at X, whatever you want to call it at Brian cat NFL, that is all the time we have today on another Dolphins podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. And until next time, fins up. <laughs>